0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They they keep knowledge, you know, they're, they're total masters of deception. They manipulate everything, you know, these, these pricks at the hell and lie to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lorensky. I never told anybody it's to a lie. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. And I need to go back to work for the American people. They're they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it all revolves around the Great Deception. Right? Yeah, hey, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections. On intimidation, instead of free choice. On guerrillas by night, instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. We're going to phone it in. And welcome to another episode of the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining. Today, I have a bonus episode for you based off the last interview I just did with a conversation I had with uh, Emmanuel Kingman, and uh, I wanted to run through his article, WTF is a Tartarian, and uh, take you guys through it and let you know what I think about it. Overall, guys, I I will tell you it's worth reading, Um, and if you're listening here, you're essentially reading it, so... Uh, I, I, it's a, it's an interesting take. He has some uh, s- some ideas that I haven't seen yet. Um, he takes some things in different directions, which is interesting, you know. And that's what we're here for. We're here for good discussion. I don't want to agree with everybody. I don't want everybody to agree with me. That's boring. I want people to think outside the box. I want people to dig a little deeper and uh and and in this article i think he does he 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 takes some stretches here and and i think it's i think we need that we need to start thinking again one of the things we've been that has been done to us is complete indoctrination through the education system through the propaganda in the media and through the programming you receive through television commercials everything like that so we're going to break that and we're going to think outside the box. Now, do you have to agree with this? No. But the question is, can you contemplate it? Can you think about it? Because that's, that's when we start making progress. Because even if you don't agree with it, to be able to process it, to understand where he's coming from, to try and see some of his points. Now, at the end of it, you could say, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with this. That's fine. But you're thinking about it. And that's what we want to do here. We want to invoke thought. We want to break the matrix. All right. We want to break that spell that's been put on us by public, you know, education, and the rest of the indoctrination system that they've been working on for the past two hundred plus years, guys. This is nothing new. So let's get into this. On EmanuelKingman.com, we have WTF is a Tartarian. So here we are finally, or here we finally are. We've made it to the conspiracy theory of Tartaria. It is only a theory if we have actual evidence of it. Yeah, because all conspiracies have truth to them. It's finding the truth from the lies that is such a drag. I mean, how in the world did we even discover the whole big country continent landmass existed not very long ago and nobody knows about it? Is this a Mandela effect? Possibly. Is it, in quantum physics lingo, rendering? Because we have nowhere else to go with our creative minds? Possibly. Is this an actual place that actually existed somewhere in our past? abso freaking You see, no matter how it actually got to be in the space and time that we are in, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we live in a place, definitely not on the outside of a ball, Maybe in the inside of one, but definitely on the outside of one. That has recorded history of a subsection of, of land called Tartaria, Tartary, Grand Tartary, and many more names. The Bible, Book of Enoch, and Greeks even talk about a place called Tartarus. Except that place isn't a place on earth, according to our current understanding. They say it's the deepest, darkest abyss. The furthest depths of hell, or Sheol, as, as it is called biblically. In Seoul, Seoul, South Korea, connected to Sheol. Stay tuned, if you will. What's weird is that the suffix I-A means kingdom of. Tartarus to Tartaria, the kingdom of Tartar. Abyss, Tartarus, Earth, Tartaria earth having a kingdom that represents hell Psh, that's preposterous wink wink the greeks do say that it resides in multiple places i hear that i hear the comments coming in now wait a second you're saying that we have maps and history books that have this place called it, and now we're supposed to believe it was hell on earth ah, ha, ha 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 this is going to be a doozy buckle up buttercup Let's do a brief overhaul of what Tartaria, the overreaching name for the grandest conspiracy theory of them all, is. A worldwide civilization that had free energy, incredible architecture, flying vehicles, peace, and understanding amongst all its citizens and the knowledge of our ancient ancestors. There are so many things that are covered under this umbrella term that each of them needs their own deep dive into, which I won't be doing here. You will have to spend some time looking at all of these pieces to find out the validity of it. But I will name some topics. Orphan trains, inventoriums, cymatics, electric universe, giants, flying vehicles, Russia, Lemuria, the Moors, ancient architecture, world's fairs, fires in major cities worldwide, mud floods, Anatoly Fomenko. time manipulation slash time deception, in Christ's thousand year millennial kingdom on earth. A vast number of topics, some of which will briefly be examined, and my thoughts on the whole thing will lead in this direction of heaven and hell, both having representative places on this place we call earth. Now this is an interesting take right here, what you know, or, or, or a good point to start. You saw all the things that he listed off. Now that's part of the list. And what you're seeing here is it's not one or two things that tie all of this stuff in together. It, was, it 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 all is little pieces of the puzzle that when put together, you get a bigger picture here of what happened before us. And by us, I mean, you know, the industrial age. So let's get back here. Tartaria has come about in the last 40 years or so thanks to Anatoly Fomenko, a Russian mathematician who is researching the history of Russia. I've heard that he was both doing this out of his own curiosity, as well as being tasked by the Russian government that kicked off this whole explanation. He has come up with some advanced algorithms that tell him that many of our historical events are exact replicas of prior events. It's even thought that some of the events that are supposed to be further back in history were made up and were copied from the more recent past, and then added to the ancient past in order to bolster the timeline of events. In fact, he's not the first well-known public figure to uh, suggest such a thing. Sir Isaac Newton also wrote a book about this very phenomenon. It's called Phantom Time Hypothesis. Events being completely manufactured by copying a real version of events that happened on a repeating fractal of cycles. There are many examples that are provided. I don't know that I believe all this to be true because ultimately I do believe that we are on a self-replicating fractal that repeats the same events over and over on larger and smaller scales. Okay. So right there, very interesting point about Anatoly Fomenko. He's someone I recommend you take a look at, uh, I actually found a treasure trove of a bunch of his PDFs. So if anyone is looking for them, send me a DM and and I can uh, try and get them over to you. But what he is a Russian mathematician. He's not a historian. He is looking at this from a mathematical standpoint, a numerical standpoint. Now, is it 100% accurate? Definitely not. But it's another way of looking at. And one of the things that he found was a repeating pattern of history. This phantom time hypothesis where events were duplicated, names duplicated, reigns of emperors, kings duplicated throughout history. Now, could it be a coincidence? It's a possibility. The chances of it are so minute that it's nearly impossible. Let me just put it that way. Okay, so let's get back to this. Uh, okay, which means you would have many layover events. In an example, Fomenko takes the belief that Noah's Ark and Christopher Columbus are the same event, stating that one of the two is made up. Now, hold on before you start blowing a gasket and say, "What? How can you compare Noah's event to Christopher Columbus? Noah's Ark to Christopher Columbus?" Relax. Just listen. Don't get triggered. Think. Break your indoctrination. Just think. Let's go. Stating that one of the two is made up. Just copied from one history book and added in another. He also believes that the Old Testament happened after the New Testament. Which is a very, very hot take. That's not anything I have researched, but information that has been relayed to me by people I've interviewed who've studied Fomenko's work have told me about this. I don't have further details, but it's super interesting. Again, I don't necessarily buy that entirely. Stay tuned for Latin being the language of Babylon down below. Furthermore, during the last 10 years, his work uh, started making its way to American internet boards. Soon, The soon-to-follow were maps, flags, and books discussing this place called Tartaria, Tartary, Grand Tartary. A CIA CIA document released from the 1950s that was declassified in the 1990s said that the Russian communists, aka USSR, were trying to cover up their past to separate themselves from the Tartarians. Weird stuff. So... People start to search mainstream history in weird spots. Maps and globes all over the place from the 1940s and earlier all have a place called Tartaria, where Russia is supposed to be. Some have even both Russia and Tartaria. I have one that I've acquired and several others I've seen in person. In gift shops with tiny globes that could fit in the hand of an infant. In gigantic globes that hold liquor bottles that depict astrology inside of it. Weird places that wouldn't be one conspirator making it up. Then you start getting into the books from the 1800s and earlier. That's when it really starts to explode. It leads into the tribes of Israel, the aboriginal peoples from all over the world, and them all being giants. Ryan Zem has done some really great work in this section. I highly recommend his YouTube page of the same name. We've gotten how it uh, we've gotten the how it came about, as well as the physical location. Now comes in the architecture and world's fairs. Evidence for that stands all over the world. To this day, we have many of these megalithic structures that would be extremely difficult to build today, and many of which are in, still in use today. Government buildings, high school, colleges, museums, restaurants, hotels—all sorts of uses. The weird part is, always when these were built, how long the construction took, different countries who were warring that color-coordinated their buildings, always being in a city just after destruction in terms of fire or natural disaster, how could they have had as many building materials such as brick or glass for certain structures and many other weird things? And if you've listened to this podcast or you haven't listened to this podcast, you're new to it, I recommend you go back and listen to some of the episodes that I did on the Chicago World's Fair, the Crystal Palaces, the World's Fairs uh, from 1851 until 1915, all of which address this. Okay, There is a narrative out there about the World's Fairs how fast they were built in a time when there were main mode of transportation for materials other than train was horse and buggy. They didn't have power tools and they built these lavish buildings in two to three years. Okay. It just doesn't make sense. So if if you're not familiar with that, go look it up in the crystal palaces. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. You go look at the London Crystal Palace of 1851 and that story, they say they built this thing in in six to nine months with glass that is so hard to make and and, and the massive amount of it, it's just, it it doesn't add up at all. Okay, so let's get back to the article. There are still plenty of these buildings we attribute as Greco-Roman in every American city nationwide as well as all over the world. Go check your local city. Find the old school cities near you, especially if you're in the southeast. Find yourself a rural hood, and you'll find yourself a wealth of these structures. The World's Fairs were a huge part of the cover-up. I'm not going to get into it much because each one deserves its own deep dive. But they all typically have, have a few common traits that we just talked about, right? Buildings were built in two to three years. It was typically within 10 to 20 years of a devastating fire in the city. The buildings were built out of wood and plaster, except they would have at least one building standing after the fair while destroying all the rest. The amount of building materials needed for a specific building or two would require more than available worldwide at the time. Just so many things don't add up. It's quite easy to see through the BS petty immediately when looking at these World's Fairs, not to mention the Crystal Palaces, an electric electric city of Buffalo in 1901, and a bunch of other really bizarre stuff that couldn't possibly fit the narrative we're given today. Mud floods and other natural disasters helped cover up our ancient past as well as our recent past. Are we really to think... That up until 500 years ago, nobody established cities in the Americas, that Native Americans were redskin savages. Really? Not after you find out about the Moors, not after you find the maps with San Francisco being named a city in the 1200s and 1400s, not after finding out about the World's Fairs in Kierva, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. Not after finding out that the Mormons believed that Eden was in Kansas City, Missouri, and that there was an earthquake that hit so hard three times in 1811 and 1812 that it actually reversed the Mississippi River. And if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's the New Madrid earthquake. Check that out. It It reversed the Mississippi River for three days. Think about how powerful that earthquake must have been, and think about what damage could have followed an earthquake with such power, okay? And not many people are are really familiar with the New Madrid earthquake. And it's right around the time of the War of 1812 and a lot of other weird stuff that happens around this time. So let's get back to the article. If that doesn't sound biblical to you, then what is? What is? The native peoples of America may very well have dressed in a more natural attire and were hunter gatherers. That doesn't mean they were savages or unintelligent. They didn't participate in the cities that existed for reasons that we are experiencing today, overpopulation in the cities, as well as government control and poisoned food, water, air, etc. The mostly uh, they most certainly weren't savages, some had red skin, but I bet many had brown or black skin. Some probably even had white skin. But, all of that has been covered up and we're left with the Christopher Columbus story. LOL. Back to the cover-up. Mud floods can be caused by soil liquefaction. Soil liquefaction happens for a number of reasons. Dramatic heating, flooding, and oversaturation of water as well as earthquakes. The earth doesn't need to shake that hard for it to happen. It just needs to be a steady shaking over an extended period of time, like we talked about with the New Madrid earthquakes. Large ones would cause much more than just buildings to sink in the mud, but an extended network of tremors could liquefy the mud in a relatively short period of time. There is so much evidence in the form of photographs of the current day cities being on slopes and buildings having windows and doors at or below ground level, that you can easily see this happened in one way or another immaculate buildings that we may or may not have had the capacity to build definitely not in the same time frame as history tells us they were built in with horse and buggy on mud roads it's laughable the leaning towers all of the world were not built perfectly on a slant the building that slanted later because the soil started to liquefy and it stopped before it consumed as much as many other buildings. New York City didn't build doorways that walk into mud. No, mud came up to the doors and windows because of either soil liquefaction and or mud floods running downhill from mountaintops or volcanoes. From hot moving liquid dirt covering up everything. Major fires all over. So many possible are so many possibilities and the truth is probably a little bit of all of them everything i presented so far are things discovered and ridiculed by experts in the field the mud floods are obvious to anyone who looks not to mention how wars are used to steal burn and destroy art of the local host of the war and i would say architecture as well not only just art look at afghanistan as a modern example Imagine with the Revolutionary War, Civil War, and three world wars. Yes, I said three. War of 1812 was a world war. Check it out. I agree with him there. The Americas were overpopulated with many races of people who were much more advanced than we currently are. Grand cities that were built upon and covered with our own cities. This is very true, guys. This is a fact. There are more miles of tunnels beneath our feet than we know about. New York City has an entire network of city underneath the ground. Kansas City has a massive tunnel system under it. Okay? But the other thing you have to think about is is that the fact that it's laughable. That until Columbus got here... This place had no civilized people, no established cities. Come on. Everywhere else in the world. Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, obviously. South America. But not North America. Come on. It's ridiculous. And the people that were here had the same ability as as people worldwide we built there's pyramids in america there's burial mounds that stretch all along the mississippi river the mississippi mounds go look into those massive structures i mean guys it's it's, to think that you know our history started in you know 1492 it's a joke and and the fact that they're still teaching that is a crime We have to break out of this Columbus Industrial Revolution era, age, mentality, indoctrination, whatever you want to call it. Okay, Let's get back to the article. Ever hear the term barbarian? Sure you have. Tartar sauce? Tart and feathered? First and second Barbary wars? Retard? I know it's an offensive word today. But it may not have always been that way. Get past the emotional devastation so that we can actually evaluate this in a clear-minded way. That is the point right there. Get past the emotional devastation. It's not about your feelings. We have to use logic, rational thinking, not emotions, so that we can actually evaluate this in a clear-minded way. Okay? Get past your indoctrination. Oh, you're a retard, right? That's, that's, that's I'm, the most comments I get when people disagree with what I post on, on the socials is, you're retarded. This is retarded. Okay, great argument. Thanks. How about you bring a little bit more to the table than that? Okay, so let's get back. Tater tots, teeter totter, tyranny. How about the country of Tyre? Why am I asking you all this? Well, the truth is that all this extends from Tartary, Tartaria, the Tartarians. The letters T, B, V, and D are interchanged so frequently throughout many languages that it's hard to get a grasp on all of it. Until you recognize Latin was for what it really was, a one-world language. Tower of Babel-esque. And this is where it gets interesting, guys. I had not had not had this take before, but this is a very valid point he brings up. Look at all the maps of the past few hundred years. Medical dictionaries, law books, all written in Latin. In English-speaking countries, as well as the Latin-speaking countries, Spanish, Italian, French, English, is even Germanic language itself. Germanic root language covers all of Europe. Russia, Polish, Ukrainian languages are all offshoots of Slavic, which is another Indo-European language. It seems that outside Africa, Asia, and the Middle East, there are two base languages, which everyone else extends from, Germanic and Latin, which can both be categorized as Indo-European, come from prehistoric time period known as the Neolithic era. This is known as the Proto-Indo-European, or Pi, language. Where we start to see how both Latin and Germanic are all an offshoot of one language is comparing Latin words to English words. It's like it's come full circle. So, was the La- was Latin the one-world language of Babylon? Hmm. Babylon. Word magic. Think. Babel. Apollyon and Abaddon are named as Antichrist type figures in the Bible. Bible. Babel. He brings up an interesting point there. There's a lot of word magic. Specifically the ruler of the abyss and the king of demonic scorpion race. Could Apollyon have been Napoleon? Sound out his name a little different than what you're used to, and you get Napoleon. 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 Right? It's right there. Just an interesting thought. And I agree with him. That is an interesting thought. You have to consider the value of word magic. They are the ultimate illusionists. He did try conquering the world in 1812, leading a race of white French people all over Europe and the rest of the world. Some even believe that Apollyon could be Satan or the devil himself, who is tasked with reigning over Hell. Napoleon complex, anyone? Little man who's not getting his way because he's used to being a large ruling figure and is now in a tiny human body. Interesting. He says here also, you have the Greek god Apollo even weirder is that george washington is depicted as apollo in the us capitol building on the ceiling super weird he's definitely a freemason god yeah if you in the uh i i done posts on this on my instagram if you want to check them out or i just did a video on my youtube channel uh on the great deception podcast on that painting the apotheosis of washington and it's George Washington with a bunch of Roman gods. And it's deifying Washington in his act of, you know, taking over the 13 colonies. And he's a Freemason god, essentially. Or the, you know, the idea of him is deified. Okay, let's get back here. I'm not saying this, this is all connected, but all these words come from somewhere. Words come from letters. Letters come from symbols that stand for sounds. So at some point in time, words are created from sounds that the human mouth made. Is it possible that these words and sounds extend from one another? Yeah. That is exactly what occurred at some point in history. We already went over the possibility of our timeline being distorted. Is it really possible that Babylon and the Tower of Babel occurred not that long ago? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Latin is the language that was dispersed in the Bible. I mean, it is a dead language today and only holds the secret keys to our medical and legal terminologies in the United States and across the world. Think about that. How many people can read Latin? But it's the basis of so much. Why did that language get killed? He says, crickets? Anyway, What I'm getting at here is that word magic is a very real thing. Yes, I agree with him. And the cover-up of our past is as simple as being like a child. Wait, didn't Jesus say something? To the effect of, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven who holds no definitive belief structures, and is fluid in his or her thinking. We honestly can't say with any certainty who did what at what point in history. I agree with him there. It's, it is his story, after all. We weren't there. There are so many holes in his story. There is so much contradictory evidence right in front of our faces. Become like children and play with the sounds to see how easily it all could get distorted. Switch out a letter or two here and there and see with your own intellect that these words could easily have come from one another. Most of the words mentioned in the beginning of the previous paragraph are offensive words to Tartarians. We need to examine why so many words that are slur terms for a race of people that have been erased from our memories and this is an excellent point right one of the things that they do is the inversion right they'll t- they'll take your name and they will sully it they will they will you know turn it into an offensive term and this is what what they've done to to you know and and listen and I'll I'll get in a little bit more on on the tartarians later and and not too deep because I think that's going to be a whole show in itself down the road actually here in the near future when we look at the um the Pugachev rebellion in Russia uh in an episode coming up here in the near future but let's get back to this now that we've established that there is most likely timeline manipulation, history alteration, big holes in the narrative, and a lot of word magic. Let's examine the possibility of why there is a cover-up uh, of this place that people called home not so long ago. Right? Why did they delete Tartaria from the maps? Now granted, most nation-states of today that you see on the map or you know those globe things they still show in, in school, those nations were created after 1850 the majority so again it, we we reset history we rename countries we change words change languages these are all we replace people orphans and orphan trains you know we create insane asylums all these things guys contribute to a big net of deception Now, this is an interesting piece right here of the article that I really want you to pay attention to because I hadn't thought about this. And this really gave me goosebumps a little bit. Have you ever heard of the uh, Millennial Kingdom? It's a thousand year period of time in which Christ would rule over the whole earth. Satan would be thrown into the pit, aka abyss or Tartarus for these thousand years as well. Most Christians believe this would be a golden age of exactly a thousand years. To me, that's unreasonable and not realistic. We wouldn't go from Satan reigning on earth to perfection in the snap of a finger. And that's a great point. And that's what people, you know, this whole great awakening, um, you know, um, the whole movement that's going on. With, you know, everybody's going from 3D to 5D. And they, you know, it's going to happen. It, it's, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. In, in fact, it takes hundreds of years a lot of times. And that's what Emmanuel will get into here. So I don't want to step on his feet too much. So let's get back to it. To me, like he said, that's unreasonable and not realistic. And I agree. Uh, it would take some time to wind down the crime, poverty, and evil practices. You see that in government, right? You think that instantly one day we could, you know, because of an election, as soon as the government changes hands, it would be an instantaneous... No, it takes time. Okay, so that's what you have to understand. People would be very angry that they were deceived, misled, and would want revenge. Think about that, man. If people start understanding the scam that took place... They are going to be angry, and they're going to want to take it out on someone. And here he says, it may take two to 300 years to get it from Satan reigning to perfection, and I agree with that. It's going to take generations. Demonic influence being removed doesn't mean that humanity wouldn't have to deal with its own pitfalls either now, would it? Do we have a period in time in which people went around murdering in the name of Christ? By golly, we do. It's called the Christian Crusades and the Spanish Catholic Inquisition. I preface this by saying I'm not in favor of this method, but I understand the mindset of people being awoken to what is happening in their world by God and being angry, wanting vengeance. Can you picture it now? How would the American people and world citizens react if they found out that evil was reigning over them? Oh yeah, look all around you. Imagine what it's going to be like in two months, six months, a year, two years. How many more people must awaken for the tipping point to occur? And that's a great point right there. When do the scales tip? Because right now we're in a period of insanity. Idiocracy. I mean we are in the upside down world right now. Absolute inversion. I mean, you want an example? Go look at the Biden's new appointee for the Department of Energy and tell me that's that's good representation of our country. All right. How angry and vengeful will people become? And that's that's a fear, right? Because why? There are more of us than them. And that's what you're seeing in Canada. Right? They want to stop these truckers, these these domestic terrorist truckers, blocking the roads in our cities. Meanwhile, these people have been locked down and tortured for two plus years. And they're finally taking a stand. And do you see how the government reacts to it? They call you terrorists. It's the ultimate gaslighting, guys pointing one finger at us while there's three more pointing back at them. Let's get back to this. If that already occurred, then we would have the evidence of people conquering in the name of Christ. Right? So you have the flags of the European countries. All of them have crosses in their flags, even in the Netherlands. The United States was built upon freedom from rel- religious persecution, Right? But I thought it was built upon Christian values. Looks to me like they were Freemasons who escaped the Christians persecuting them for being Freemasons and not because they were Christians fleeing from other religions. Looks to me like conquering and vengeance on satanic behaviors has already occurred. But we're talking about Tartaria and they have depictions of dragons on their flags. Ooh, I get it now. In the beginning, you told us about Tartaria being representative of Tartarus, which is hell. Bingo! Strangest thing about Tartari, uh, Tartaria and Russia coexisting, and, and Russia wanting its distance from these Tartarians, is that St. Petersburg, saint as in something godly or Christ-like, used to be the capital of Russia muscovites lived in moscow and these were giant people the war of 1812 that i mentioned earlier ended in moscow where the russians weren't at because they were in saint petersburg because the muscovites were in moscow coincidence and this is this is something i i I don't know i don't know what to think of this right here uh that Where he says that uh, the Muscovites, you know, lived in Moscow and these were giant people. I don't have any evidence that they were all giants. But there is, again going back to old maps, a Muscovite Tartary and an independent Tartary. So even within Tartaria there were two sub-countries. Right? or sub-regions that were labeled as Muscovite Tartary and independent Tartary which is very very interesting because not a lot of people know that now the the thing that right here that he mentions about uh, the Muscovites in Moscow well yeah they, in, in the narrative as the narrative goes, they burnt Moscow to the ground so Napoleon couldn't take it. Now, would you really do that? I don't know. You might want to, you know, counter in a little while rather than just burn the whole thing down to the ground. I don't know. The narrative is all over the place, guys. But let's get back to his article. You make a compelling case, but there just isn't enough evidence to support this. glad you're starting to come around, but I'm not finished. We have coins, maps, gravestones, tombstones, and buildings that were all marked with one damning piece of evidence that can't be ignored, the letter I and J. What's the big deal about that, you ask? The way things were marked by year on all these engravings and carvings would almost always have one of those letters followed by the year. For instance, we would have something marked I-500. The cover-up is that we are told that this thing is marked Uh, that it is marked from the year 1500 so what they're doing is saying that you know something that happened in i 500 which would be the year 500 they changed the i to a one and now it's 1500 essentially adding a thousand years to the timeline go ahead and do some research on it it's extremely fascinating you can find a lot of information on a map about what was going on a specific location in a specific time period I've come across a few maps that talk about the year I-290 and a man named Prester John who was going around preaching Christianity in Northeast Asia, a.k.a. Russia, a.k.a. Tartaria. Nothing too crazy, right? Wrong. We're told he lived in the 1200s. Maybe you've heard of Genghis Khan in the 1200s. Did you hear that he was going around conquering in the name of Christianity? Also, he's a, white, a giant white man with red hair and green eyes. Not what we're told in school. Not at all. He actually fulfills four of the seven seals that are to be broken in the biblical end times. Seriously, go visit Ryan Zem's YouTube channel. Need more evidence? All the above mentioned items uh, weren't only marked with the letter I or J, But they were also marked with Anno Domini, A-D, Latin. There's that one world language again, meaning the words in the year of our Lord. Who is our Lord? Jesus Christ is our Lord. Anno Domini, J-480, translates to, In the year of our Lord, Jesus, 480 which has been told to us that it means the year 1480. You see that? How easily something can be manipulated in a thousand years just added out of thin air. Need another example? In Roman numerals, the letter M represents a thousand. A thousand years. So just add a letter M to the existing time and you could get something like M-C-X-X-V-I-I, which means 1127, instead of C-X-X-V-I-I, which would be simply the year 127. It's that easy. One letter added. One change that if you aren't paying attention, you would assume an I or J is a 1. Okay, so where does the I fit in? Remember the whole language thing above about Latin being a one-world language. Guess what? They don't have a letter J in their alphabet. Jesus is spelled I-E-S-U-S. Iesus. That's a capital I in the beginning, not a lowercase i. Anno Domini I620 gets perverted into 620 instead of being in the year of Lord Jesus 620. Greek also doesn't have a letter J. Jesus is I-A-S-U-S. I don't have a Greek alphabet on my computer, but you can Google search it. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, dude. This is too much. You're telling me that it was depicted worldwide that Jesus Christ was our Lord, which was the reason we started keeping track of the year, and there was possibly a universal language. And all this documented on maps, coins, gravestones, and buildings that existed today. You got it. And I agree with him here. There is some manipulation of this. And this is one of the things that Flamenco goes into. Now, I I haven't dove deep enough into the, the um, timeline manipulation to get, you know, have a, a, a real valid opinion on it. But I, you know, I have a book here called The Guide to the Phantom uh, Dark Age, which says they erased, you know, added three hundred years. Fomenko says it's about a thousand years. Um, So there are documents out there that show that timeline has been manipulated. So, uh, and if if you look at this, it is very simple, based on this 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 argument right here, and and this is not a crazy argument. Go look. Out there, you will see many old uh, markings, you know, like markers um, that have I and then the year that follows it. It's a lowercase i, not a one. Okay. I know you're a bit freaked out at this point, but we aren't done yet. It seemed it was very important to mark everything as a specific point in time. A.D. I know, Domini. In the year of our Lord. Why? We were told Jesus was born in the year 6 BC, before Christ. Or is it 4 BC? Or is it 3 AD? Or is it 5 AD? Why can't anyone agree? Why would it not be year 1? Or, better yet, year 0? Well, there is no year 0. But if you were living the first 11 months of the first year, you would either be in the year 0 Or they would be marking the year in advance. See? We keep track of time now based on completion of years. I just turned 32 years old and now I'm in my 33rd year of life. As I now have completed 32. I wasn't called a one-year-old during the first 11 months of my life. That's a very valid point. You are months old. You are not a year yet. So... This is kind of a sticky, and we don't have and we have no way of possibly knowing his story can't even agree upon when we started keeping track of time, and the reason we are told doesn't work because the birth is not during the agreed upon date. So why do we start keep keeping track of time? Remember when I mentioned that Satan would be bound up in a pit for a thousand years. Are you starting to make the connections yet? No. Well, okay. We started keeping track of time because Satan was bound in a pit and we knew that we only had a thousand years until he was loosed again. So we were keeping track of time for this very specific reason. Makes much more sense now, doesn't it? Your mind is probably mushed by now and your soul feels like it has been stolen. I understand. It's very hard to face this reality. It encompasses so much and changes so much of what we thought but if you're intrigued and trying to get a handle on it, the next part may make things make much more sense to you now. And that's a very interesting point right there. Why did we keep tra- track of time? And when did it start? And when you you add in this aspect of the millennial reign, which I had never considered before, that thousand years uh, where, where Satan would be bound in a pit and then he would eventually reappear. It definitely makes you think about things and how it actually went down. So let's get back to it. Jesus' birth year is undetermined. His birthday is said to be December 25th, though, right? It's celebrated that day, but it isn't that day. It's certainly not that day. And we know this because the shepherds were in the field with sheep as they were pregnant and getting ready to give birth at any moment. Now, there are two lines of thinking, either that this happened in spring or fall. Depends on interpretation. Also depends on the location of where you are when you read this, and where Jesus was when he was born. Why does this matter? Northern hemisphere and southern hemispheres. Spring in the northern hemispheres, in the fall uh, is fall in the southern hemisphere, and vice versa. We come down to either March or September. A lot of biblical scholars have come up with the date September 11th, a date to never forget. Side note, if you're here reading this, I assume you understand that the world is ruled by a bunch of Satan, or quote-unquote adversary of Christ, uh, uh, worshiping cult members who have regularly practiced human sacrifice and ritualistic behaviors in the form of mass violence events. The Bible does not state that Satan has authority over the world and the ability to give Jesus kingship over all of earth if he pledges his allegiance interesting side note okay so it's 9 11 2001 the day the united states of america was taken over by this entity of beings that broke into our universe you may know them by the term aliens or demons you may see them depicted on old architecture that we call gargoyles never thought about that either that's interesting you may have heard the ger- of the German Krampus, who beats the non-believers on December 25th. Depicted as a black bull body and man-like facial features with horns and hooves. The Bible talks about a scorpion race that would break out of the earth after the thousand-year millennial reign. Winged creatures who are terrifying, ugly, and attacking the human race. You may be familiar with the movies They Live or Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm not sure how all of this fits together exactly, but I'm just giving pop culture and historical accounts of depictions of what this outside entity could and could be and or look like. Remember this is all just theory upon mountains of evidence back to nine eleven If we have a thousand years added to our timeline, Jesus' birthday was nine eleven which would could be the same day and time that Satan would be thrown into the pit. Then 9 2001 might have been going back to the timeline deception 9-11-1001 1,000 1, years after Satan was bound in the pit and when he would begin being loosed upon earth for a little season as the Bible states. <sighs> Tell me that doesn't scare the shit out of you. One more thing to go with this section is that think many Jesus was or many think Jesus was thirty three when he died, but again there is no way of knowing that, and many speculate that he could have been thirty seven when he was crucified. This throws a wrench into things, but again it's all speculation. But it could be the year of the resurrection of the King, uh, of the year of our Lord. 37 years before 9-11-2001, as we know the timeline, something happened that began to take over by the outside entity. Eleven twenty two sixty three, our president, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. This ritual known as the killing of the king ritual. Was this mirrored of what happened before? The killing of the king of kings, Thirty-seven years after he was born on nine eleven one, which kicked off the thousand-year millennial reign, the killing of the king ritual thirty-seven years before the mass ritual of nine eleven oh one. Think about that. It's that's wild. I never tied in the two in this way. Again, these dates are according to our timeline. Those living way back when would have known his birth as 111, which leads into Ethiopia. Ethiopia is interesting because 9-11 is day one of their calendar year. Ethiopia is on the Red Sea right next to Egypt in the Southern Hemisphere. They also use the Book of Enoch in their Bible as part of its canon. It's also alleged that they housed the Ark of the Covenant until 2019 when a terrorist group known as the uh, Eritrean Defense Forces came and slaughtered 800 to 1,000 members of the church who were said to be guarding it. When Enoch lived, the Red Sea was known as the Erithean Sea. He actually points it out as he flies over in the Book of Enoch, probably because he was familiar with it because he lived... In what we now know as Ethiopia. So again, that 9-11 date seems to have much more significance than we currently comprehend. Another side note, there are maps from the 1500s depicting California as an island. And the salt ocean water that covers modern day Utah's Salt Lake City would be explained. And Arizona is depicted as none other than the Red Sea. Boy, His story is complicated. Phew, that was a lot. It's almost over, I promise. Getting back to the thousand-year period of Christ reigning. Like I said earlier, I don't think it's realistic for things to change in the snap of a finger. From evil to perfection and vice versa is true as well. It wouldn't go from perfection to evil in a snap of a finger. There would be a winding down of perfection as there was a winding down of evil Probably two to three hundred years. So this thousand year reign of Christ was probably more like four to six hundred years of perfection, right? Because you have two to three hundred years of um, where everything's winding down from perfection. And then you have another two hundred to three hundred years on the other end when you're winding down from evil coming back to perfection. Okay, so we have the Dark Ages. Uh, okay, so so this 1,000-year reign of Christ was probably 400 to 600 years of perfection, as we said. Since this everything in this world is perverted and inverted, like we've just talked about and we talk about it repeatedly, we can look at pockets of our time in history that could fit this. We have the Dark Ages lasting 1,000 years, followed by an Enlightenment era lasting 500 years, Since our place in time has been nearly doubled from 1022 to 2022, let's have both of those periods and voila, 500 years of Dark Ages, 250 years of Enlightenment. Wow, look at that. Invert those names and you have 250 years of Dark Ages followed by 500 years of Enlightenment, which takes you up to the late 1700s where the second destruction of the earth according to the Bible begins to happen. Now, there's way too much evidence of that for me to include it here, but you can check out my YouTube series. I have a playlist called Covered Up History, which you should check out. I have a two-part series where I spend an hour and a half going over evidence and we will be adding to that series in the future because there's so much to cover. Anyway, that leaves a pocket of about 250 years from the 1700s to now, which would complete the thousand years. You see this, guys? A winding up and winding down from evil to perfection and back to evil. So where does that leave us? We are the rest of the dead who will rise up at the end of the millennial reign who are being given a second chance to redeem ourselves, so that we don't get thrown into the lake of fire at the final judgment, which is nearly upon us. Revelation 20.5 The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. This is where we are according to the biblical timeline of events, in my opinion. The very end of of the book of revelation of Jesus Christ. And and I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't know if I buy into the whole book of revelation being in end times. And I don't think he does either. He's not talking about the end of the world. He's just talking about the end of the reign. Um, but looking at his timeline, guys, we are right there. We are coming out of that 250-year period. And that could mean good things ahead. That's the silver lining in all this, right? Out of all this Tartarian nonsense that you hear out there, it could just be a sign to tell you that, hey, the good age is coming. We've got a couple hundred years of good reign ahead of us. So let's get back to the article here and wrap this up. I know that we seemingly got off track from the title, what the fuck is a Tartarian? WTF is a Tartarian. But I'm going to tell you in plain language what a Tartarian is. They are Rephaim uh, that the Bible speaks of. They came into our realm and took over a landmass. They built back replicas of everything they have in the abyss, stealing the majority of what was already here and built during the millennial reign. All of the abominations of Egypt... Beings with human bodies and animal heads that the Bible would know as Nephilim that were cast into the abyss were now taking human bodies. Demons, which are Nephilim spirits. Dinosaurs, as science tells us. Aliens, as sci-fi tells us. Gods, as old spiritual religious practices tell us. In conjunction with fallen angels, who were white-skinned with blonde hair and blue eyes who fathered giant humanoids with white skin, red hair, and green eyes, who were all taken off the earth so that humanity could reign free from outside influence for a thousand years of Christ. Christ as in only the products of Christ, and not the abominations of the fallen ones mixing their DNA with every living thing on earth. They were let back in somehow. Hey, possibly CERN, possibly 9-11. Now we're try- they're trying to switch places with us via virtual reality, psychedelics, meditation, yoga, the metaverse, the internet, magic, alien, spaceships. None of these things are inherently evil. But when we do any of these things, we open ourselves to a realm that we go into which is the abyss, hyperspace, outer space, virtual space, the pit, the deepest and darkest prison we could possibly get sent to. They want our bodies because they don't have bodies. They've been forced to stay alive, stuck in prison, now that they're breaking out by tricking us to switch places with them, changing our atmosphere by slowly adding more and more radiation. Because they need radiation to exist... Because essentially, they are static snow of your antenna TV. The internet is an interdimensional travel. It's where they live. In Mother Matrix. Which is why they don't turn turn off the internet to stop us from waking up. They can't. They cease to exist here without the internet. And that's interesting. I don't know if I necessarily agree with just the internet... But that's an interesting take right there that via the black mirror, you are possibly opening yourself up to these dark entities. Well, now they're turning on 5G and Project Bluebeam is going to be pretty soon, be a go pretty soon. I don't know about the whole Bluebeam thing. I don't, I think it's too obvious um but hey he seems to think so NASA just got high uh just hired 24 theologians to help disclose aliens to humanity because they will be here soon through 5G technology being projected from some other dimension and we will believe they are actually here because there will be actual abominations here as hybrid be- begin Uh, to become a real thing once again, and biological mannequins are just waiting to be inhabited by consciousness. Who are the Tartarians? They were bigger, stronger, human-like beings that we now called Neanderthals. Their bones have been mishandled and covered up. We would know them as giants. There are still over 10,000 newspaper articles from the 1800s and 1900s, that have been written on new discoveries of giants. The tribes of Israel were also giant at one time as well, before the second destruction of Earth by fire. The fire sucked up a lot of oxygen, making thing larger things die off suddenly, and keeping everything smaller uh from then on out. The year without a summer, eighteen sixteen, the war of eighteen twelve. The New Madrid earthquake in 1811, 1812. Tecumseh, uh, Tecumseh's Comet, aka Napoleon's Comet, in 1812. Alien spacecraft, he asks. All of these events and more have caused the larger physical things to die off. Now they must trick us into willingly switch places. The Tartarians are those who are pulling the strings from behind the scenes those who aren't on planet, that are calling the shots. They are who the Tartarians are. They stole what was ours and enslaved us. This is why we call them derogatory names. This is why Russia covered up their existence. They don't want to be affiliated with those monsters. This is why we weren't supposed to go digging. They're half-breed human descendants are the ones who have been running the realm since they all died off. They've been covering up their existence completely by doing a number of complex switcheroos. Once you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, you can find disclosure all over pop culture, architecture, and remnants of history. He summarizes, To answer the question of WTF is a Tartarian in one word, barbarians. Written by Mr. Todd Armstrong. I got, you know, and and that last part there, um, that's an interesting take too, because I haven't heard that about them being the Neanderthals and that the Tartarians are, you know, part human. Um yeah i don't know if i believe that they're interdimensional i think they could have been giants yeah or and i you know in the in the more i dig into and i gotta dig a lot more into the russian history to understand the tartarians and that's not what the point of this is this is the point to go through was to go through todd's um todd's article and and just, you know, small little comments and things and not go into what I, you know, my definition of a Tartarian, because that would be a whole nother show in itself. And eventually, as we go through some of these old world shows, you'll get my idea of it. But I don't believe in the term Tartarian, you know, like that they are the ones who built everything all over the world. Um, I believe in, in an old, there was an old world society that was worldwide that did uh, have a network that was interconnected throughout the realm. Um, do I think the Tartarians are evil? To be determined. I, I I haven't done enough research on the Tartarian people. And now, one of the things I have done in the last couple of weeks is I started looking at the, like I said before, the Pugachev Rebellion, which was the, you know, serf-peasant rebellion, kind of the death blow To Tartaria, you know, this guy stirred up so much shit with, um, Queen Catherine that by the end of it, they basically wanted to delete him from history, his name to be deleted, no one to write about him, um, and just wipe out, they, they renamed his homeland after, after they executed him, um, but they did – the funny part is that – but then they let Alexander Pushkin do like a, a, a bio on him, you know, and it, it's called The History on Pugachev. And I, I just finished reading it and it's – you know, it talks about the, the rebellion and, and, you know, what went on and, and we'll do a show on that. But it's – it's, you know, I don't know enough about the people, but they, they seem to be tied or affiliated with the Cossacks a little bit um, in there, the the Scythians maybe. Um, it definitely encapsulated North America, Asia, Russia. You know, all they're saying all the way up and in, possibly into Turkey. You know, so all the Baltics. It was all part of this idea of or Tartaria, this nation of Tartaria. Um and it it seems like they were some sort of people and, and I, I don't want to speculate too much because I like I said I'm gonna do an episode on this um on the rebellion and how that the Russian rebellion uh impacted America and the uh expansion west in America so i but you know if you want to get high level a rumor that i did here is that yeah this was the land of the giants that if you go back and, and look at some old maps a lot of the west coast of america no, and, and northwest you go up into canada over through alaska to the bering strait over into russia and then over into eastern russia siberia region you will notice that it is blank on most maps there's nothing there, no cities, no words and and in a couple of the maps it says like land unknown. and it's almost like the Western people were not allowed in these lands for fear of death. And then once the the Romanovs and uh, the the you know dynasty, the bloodline, I'll say, was able to, you know, strike the death blow into the people of uh, the nation of T- Tartaria. They would then go and attack the infrastructure of the old world, and that was the second phase. Because I think, and and one of the things that I found fascinating when I did dig into Russian history a little bit, they they mention the Old Believers. And the old belief. And and that is a phrase that is sticking with me right now because there's something to that. The old believers. This is the last civilization, or the you know, the civilization prior to the madness of the Industrial Revolution transition, which was you know, 17, 1800s in that ballpark. But I think, guys, honestly, this is one of the better pieces that I've seen because, you know, Todd Todd hits at it. And he brings in a different angle that I hadn't thought about. And this millennial reign, which really could play a role in all this when you think about it. Again, I'm going to get the people right away. Oh, it's tied to the Bible. I don't relate to the Bible. And okay, that's fine. Uh, what do you want me to say? I don't necessarily agree with all the Bible. Has the Bible been manipulated? Yes. We know that for a fact. There are more than 66 books. Okay? There's this, there's a reason why they only canonized those 66. And that's an interesting number in itself. I mean, I have a book right here in front of me, the Encyclopedia of Lost and Rejected Scriptures, the Pseudographia and Apocrypha which is all books that have been taken out over time that were, you know, could have been originally part of one larger book. So to just simply throw this out because of the Bible and and, and you don't believe in the whole Christ narrative or whatever, that's fine. But he's drawing conclusions here based on that belief system, which millions upon there billions of people I should say believe in. okay? But again, a great piece of work. I highly recommend uh, Emmanuel's work. I highly recommend his podcast. Uh, if this really interests you, he did a uh, a great interview with the one and only Howdy Mikoski. Uh, that I, you know, I, I recommend. Uh, it was right around the time that that we I was on his show uh, back in January. So go check that out. Show my man some love uh support his work he does some other uh, uh other work on the side that he he uh advertised on his website check it out he offers some great services and and he's just an all-around good dude and uh and and his uh counterpart mimi who was great when i was on the show with her too and and i just uh I wish nothing but the best to these two because I I, I really like Emmanuel and I like the way he uh, thinks outside the box and brings a different perspective. And that's what we need today. And to put it out in the line, right, guys, to put it out there. Oh, he could have gotten lit up by some of these people for writing this article. But he had the balls to do it because he felt compelled to do it. And it doesn't matter what other people think or other people say. Go look at the comments in the article, guys. The comments is nothing but positive feedback. Okay? So, again, EmmanuelKingman.com, The Godcast, The Goodness Over Darkness podcast. Go check out Emmanuel's work. Show him some love. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with him. And uh, we will be back again soon. Stay strong, stay safe, and question everything. Cruelty and injustice intolerance, and depression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and subjecting your submission. Cameras. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease, there were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent.